2017, do you choose to win? Do you choose to win? And I want you to open up your Bibles again to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. And actually, we're starting off with some of the same things we did last week, but we need to hear it again. And some of you weren't here last week to get it, so you'll get it this week. But Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and the NIV says it this way. God said this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many are glad to know that God has plans for you? Amen. Plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's a revelation to some people because they've been taught wrong. They've been taught that God's against you, just wants to hurt you, and kind of things like that. But God doesn't want to hurt you. Uh, You marked out a scripture if you want to. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. And so we have to have the revelation to know that in the spiritual arena, there's not only God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels of God, but there's Satan, the devil, demon spirits. And Jesus said that Satan's a deceiver, said he's a liar, the father of lies, said he's the tempter. And so all the bad things that come your way in life, the devil's behind it, not God. God said, I got good plans. And so we want to teach you how to hook up to the plan of God and then how to follow the plan of God. So come to pass in your life. That book's an excellent resource to help teach us the things. Don't forget, when the service is over, get back to the bookstore. The next 17 people that sign up gets it free. And then if you don't get to be one of those, then go ahead and sign up. We're going to order some more this week and we'll get some more in. Anyway, he said, I have uh, plans, declares the Lord, to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. God wants you to have something to look forward to. Then we want to talk about those things. And then he says in the Amplified Bible, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. To give you hope in your final outcome. And so, I, I said last week, and I think about it again, there was a famous baseball player catching for the Yankees back in the 50s when some of us were growing up. But anyway, uh, Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over. And so the fact of the matter is, our God does the impossible. Nothing's impossible to our God. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, Nothing's impossible to him that believeth. And so if you're a believer, it doesn't make any difference what side of the tracks you were born on. It doesn't even make any difference. Your town didn't even have any tracks. The only thing that counts in the eyes of Jesus is are you born again and are you still breathing? If you're born again... And you're still breathing, no matter what your health situation is, Jesus can totally restore it. No matter what your financial situation is, Jesus can absolutely turn it around and cause you to be blessed. No matter what your job situation is, Jesus can get you one if you need one. If you need a better one, he'll get you a better one. No matter what your social situation is, Jesus can get your life turned around in your family arena, in your relationship arena. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. 
If you're here today and you feel absolutely hopeless, helpless, and thinking, I don't know why I came today, you know, it's just, for me, it's just such a bad, impossible thing. I've done this, I've done that, and I should have done this, and I should have done that, and I dug my own hole, and I fell in it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, praise God, Jesus, Jesus is the miracle worker. Jesus is the one. If you could do it, you would have already done it. You tried it, and your mess got worse. So when you let loose and begin to look to Jesus to help you, the first thing that's going to happen, you're start going to start getting a little glimmer of hope. Maybe you'll hear a message off something we say today, or maybe somebody will say something to you, and all of a sudden you got a little spark on the inside of you says, Wow, maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, if you do the things we're going to be talking about today and start getting more and more hooked up with the plan of God for your life, all of a sudden your hope's going to start turning into faith. And then your faith, if you act on it, will turn into reality. And then all of a sudden your life turns around. And I I remember, you know, this is strange, but uh, a little over 37 years ago, I was a sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been born again. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. Now I'm a born-again child of God. But I remember, uh, man, I, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it except I was a punk. I was a bad guy. You know, some people were scared of me back then. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But anyway, long story short, I remember after I'd been born again for about a year, there was this religious guy I worked with. And uh, I, I led, I was a truck driver. And out of the truck dock, I led this guy to the Lord. I led a lot of people to the Lord. When I got, when I got born again, I was so grateful I didn't die and go to hell. All the times I could have died and went to hell. I was so grateful I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And so I'm still grateful today. I still tell everybody about Jesus that I can. But anyway, I remember I led this guy through a prayer of salvation out of our truck dock. And I came into the break room. This religious guy was in there that was a lot older than me, been saved a long time. He'd never witnessed to me one time. And I came, I'll come in there, and I, I saw him. And I said, hey, I just led so-and-so to the Lord. And he said, did you get him baptized? I said, man, no water out there. <laughs> I said, I got the first step. He said, the prayer of salvation with me. So this guy got kind of goofy. And I said, well, how come out of all those years that I was hurting, that you never, you never witnessed me. How come you never told me about Jesus? He said, I thought you was too mean. I was scared of you. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I never killed any Christians. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, Paul killed Christians before he got saved. I said, he wasn't too mean to get saved. <laughs> and got that guy to think, and we was able to have some fellowship after that. So what I'm telling you is this. It doesn't make any difference what you've done. It doesn't make any difference how you mean how mean you've been to preachers, how much you've cursed God or anything else. If you're still breathing, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. If you're still breathing, the blood of Jesus will forgive you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will start a work in your heart if you'll yield to Him and let Him do it. It starts with your heart. It starts with your mouth. Begin to. Tell Jesus you love him. Tell the Father you love him. And then begin to act like you're a Christian. How do Christians act? Well, Christians aren't mean to people. Not supposed to be. Christians are supposed to pray. 
Christians are supposed to go to church. Christians are supposed to read their Bible. And so you start doing some things heading in the Christian direction. And somebody said, well, I can never be perfect. None of us can be perfect either. Our names would be Jesus. We'd hung on the cross. Jesus was perfect. He hung on the cross because he knew we weren't. He took the punishment for us. And so because he did, God is really trying to talk to somebody this morning. He wants to get a hold of your heart. And I know he's starting to get a hold of somebody somewhere out here today. Quit looking at you and your ugly life. Quit judging you and your ugly life. You start judging that Jesus paid the price because of what you did. That Jesus paid the price so you could start being what you're supposed to be for him. There's people around you in your family and in your life that will never step into a church like this and hear what I've got to say. Where they're not afraid to hang out with you because they think you're one of them. And you are. Except on the inside, you're different. And so you've got to start living like a Christian. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand talking to people. And so anyway, if you ever expect to enjoy life the way God intends you should, you must get established in your heart and your thinking that God loves you. God loves you. Say that. that say, 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 God loves me. Say, God loves me. Now say this. Say, God loves me just the way I am. But he doesn't want me to stay the way I am. He wants me to change. That's why he gave me the Bible. That's why he put preachers in my life. He wants me to change. Amen. Does that help you? Amen, amen, amen. He loves you, and he has a good plan for your life. God has a good plan for your life. He said, I know the plans I have for you. And when he's given me this message a couple weeks ago, he got, he got me to think, and I wrote some thoughts down. What do we mean when we're talking about a plan? And the Lord put this in my heart. In the military, there's battle plans and plans of attack. There's battle plans. You know, you just don't bring a bunch of soldiers together, a bunch of Marines, everybody else together, a bunch of, bunch of people in the Air Force, and just get them all out there. Okay, guys, let's go fight somebody. Well, they look around and see the one fellow soldier stand beside. Well, there's somebody. I'll fight. Well, that's the way too many Christians are. God said, fight the good fight of faith, and so they fight the first thing that moves. Amen. No, the military has plans. They identify who the enemy is. They find out who the leaders are in their army, and they submit, they train, they show up, etc., etc. I'll tell you what, Joe found out that he wouldn't be a Marine all his life. He'd be in the Marine now for a while. He's found out there's a whole, whole, lot, whole lot more to Marines than just looking nice in a uniform. Hey, man, that's a, that's a good part. But I'll tell you what, the stuff you don't see that goes on before that, that's the tough part. And you know what? Same thing Christianity. It's nice to show up on Sunday morning. Everybody's smiling, looking good, dressed good, smelling good, I hope. You know, everybody, everybody doing good. But the tough part is when you're by yourself and you're away from the troops. Then you and the enemy shows up together. That's the tough part. That, that, that's, that, that's when you're in training. That's where you're being disciplined. That's when you're learning some stuff. But anyway, God said he's got some good plans. And then in sports, there's a game plan. You know, I know that uh, I'm not big into sports, but all my kids are, and a lot of you are. But I know there's a thing coming up. Usually I think it's around the 1st of February, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl thing coming up. 
And I know for the Super Bowl, it's not like a bunch of Little League, little league football players get out there and just all sit around eating grass and throwing grass and spitting and you know, like that. These guys, these guys practice and practice and practice. So anyway, sports. Sports has some things going on that they have plans for. Then for your family. You don't think about this year, what are you going to do on vacation? Well, a smart family makes vacation plans. They don't just uh, put in for vacation on their jobs and then come vacation day, don't know where they're going to go, don't know how much they've got to spend, don't know how long they can be gone. they got something mapped out and written out and et cetera, et cetera. So there's plans for anything you do. And in a business, in a business, you've got to have a plan if you want your business to grow. If you want your business to prosper, you've got to have a plan. And in looking up some uh, definitions, I like this thing, come up by this thing called the businessdictionary.com about a plan. And this helps me to look at it for life, to think about God and the Bible. Everything else we do, it says that a business plan is this, a written account of intended future course of action, a scheme aimed at achieving specific goals or objectives within a specific time frame. And so for us, for our life for 2017, you need to be thinking about things like this. What is it you want to do this year? What is it you need the victory over this year? You're tired of fighting that same thing over and over and losing and losing and losing and losing everything but pounds. You know, if you want to lose some pounds, you know, it's okay, it's okay to lose that. But you don't want to keep losing in the things that really matter to you this year. And so these objectives uh, within a specific time frame, also the plan explains in detail what needs to be done, when, how, and by whom, and often includes best case, expected case, and worst case scenarios. And so the Bible, of course, we know God's plan, and God always tells us what he'll do, but he tells us what we're supposed to do too. Did you know that uh, nobody goes to heaven just because God loves him. In multiple places, he said things like he said in Romans 10, 10, 10, 13, he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't say that everybody that wants to go to heaven goes to heaven. God said his part is Jesus died for your sins. He said your part is you got to say, Jesus, I want you. I repent. I want to be born again. I want to go to heaven. God's plan is heaven for everybody. Man's part has got to receive it. Amen. And I think about tithers. We call it tithers' rights around here. But Malachi chapter 3 tells you that God wants to rebuke the devourer for your sake. God wants the windows of heaven opened upon believers. But then God says, quit robbing me. Bring the tithe into my storehouse. God says, my part is open windows, devour, rebuke. Your part, tithe. And so see, God has a lot of plan. Specific action, his part, our part. God said, I want you healed. And he, he, he gave us multiple ways to receive healing. Mark chapter 16, he said, believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And Jesus does the healing. <clears throat> Man's part, pray. God's part, heals. In James chapter 5, verse 14, he said, any sick among you, call for the elders. Let them anoint you of all the name of the Lord. He said the prayer of faith heals the sick. God's a healer. But he said, what's the prayer of faith? And so we have to understand all through the Bible, you know, relationships, marriage relationships. He said, 
Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And he said, wife, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. That whole thing works really good when both parties do what they're supposed to do. If the husband loves the wife like Jesus loves him, then it's easy for the wife to submit to him like she would to Jesus. But it all comes down to the plan of God. This is the written plan. You know, I think about Proverbs 22, 6. Oh, I, I got, oh, I got good notes. But I think about political correct. And Dr. Barclay says political correct is the counterfeit for the New Testament. The New Testament tells us how to live. Political correct tells us what the world thinks we ought to do to please everybody. Proverbs 22, 6 says, parents, train up a child the way he should go. Train up a child the way he should go. Parents, train up a child the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Well, today, with political correct, they take a vote about which way your child should go. The plan is, you train them up, and then when they get old, they're not going to depart. It's not, oh, just let them do what they want to do, live like they want to live. You don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, he said, hurt their bottom sometimes. I don't know about you, but my feelings got hurt a lot of times when I was growing up. <laughs> but you know what? I learned to respect authority because my bottom side got hurt. I learned to submit to the, to the school principal. I learned to submit to the teachers. I learned to submit to the policemen. I learned to submit to my bosses. I learned those things because when I was growing up, my dad and mom learned how to take care of part of me that needed educated so the other part of me could submit. Amen. But what am I, what am I saying? I'm saying this. God's plan is written in His Word. If we don't follow His plan, then we won't get His results. And if we don't get His results, we can't get mad at Him because He told us what to do. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so any, anyway, talk about these different plans. There's different things we do. So the Bible is God's specific written plan for your life. The Bible is. God's specific written plan for your life. God's goal is for you to have a future of peace, hope, and prosperity. That is God's goal. And so, I'll ask you again, do you choose to win in 2017? Do you choose to win? Well, I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to, I'm going to read out of, the, out of the Living Bible, not the New Living Translation. I still like the Living Bible better a lot of things. We use the... New Living around here a lot now. Pastor Dave kind of got us going in that direction, and I like the New Living Translation. But anyway, I really like my old Living Bible. And I was looking at this one here <laughs> when I get this Bible gave me back in the back in the nineties. I had a lady in my church that, uh, believe this or not, she was born back in the eighteen hundreds. And she gave this Bible to me, said to my loving pastor, et cetera, et cetera. I think Eva was about 95 when she gave this to me. And she'd been around for a long She's seen a lot of things. She's seen a lot of life. You know, it's, it's, it's just amazing the people across her life over the years. But anyway, she gave this Bible way back then, and I treasure it. It's, a, it's such, such a neat thing to think about the saints of God that have been before. This is not a brand new thing. Christianity's been around for a while. There's been a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people live good lives because they obeyed the Bible. Yes, anyway, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in this living Bible, I'm going to read verse 24 to 27, 
And then we're going to be talking about this a lot today. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize, unless it's modern time political correctness that everybody gets the blue ribbon. Nobody loses. Isn't that true? Man, it's time to start doing something to make kids want to strive for something. To adults want to strive for something. Man, I was just thinking about that when I read that. Isn't that a revelation? Everybody wins. I remember back when I was in Little League back in 1950-something that uh, I was on the Minor A Tigers. And we got the first place trophy last year, that year. All the teams didn't get a trophy. Our team got the trophy. We won. Hey, man, now every team gets a trophy, and you don't know who won or who was best because they all share it. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that doesn't help develop good character. Anyway, it says only one person gets first prize, so run your race to win. Run your waste race to win. And I'll just say this, live your life to win this year. If you want to live and you, if you want to win, start changing something, doing something. It says to win the contest, you must give yourself everything you want. <laughs> you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavy reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. With purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body. Treating it roughly. Training to do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after listening to others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the military again. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Joe out there in uh, New Jersey. Virginia, well, I'm thinking New Jersey, thinking that side of the country. That Virginia. Yeah, that's why you're sitting on the front row. <laughs> but I'm thinking about the things they have to do in the military. You know, the different, I know all the forces say the disciplines they have to go to. He first got out there every night, even if it was 10 degrees. They have roll call at 8 o'clock at night and at midnight. No matter what's going to jump up and run outside and be dressed and ready, stand their attention out there in the snow, and then go back in. Well, why do they do stuff like that? They're not just training to wear a uniform and make the girls look at them. They're training in case they have to go somewhere and fight where the enemy calls them out at midnight. They may be ready to get out at midnight and fight. If, they, if, if somebody, something goes on, they got to quickly be able to say, yes, sir, no questions asked, just jump and run and do it, because somebody's life depends on it. It might be theirs. And, you know, in Christianity, that's what he's talking about, about these disciplines in our life. We have to be able to say, yes, sir, the Word says, I'll do it. Yes, sir, the Word says it. And then somebody said, but why? Well, I can't that you might have life that more abundantly. Thief come to steal, kill, destroy. That's why. You've got an enemy. Amen. So you have to get some things lined up. And so anyway, based upon the things we see here about the choices that, that Paul talked about that he made, I want to say this. Life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. That's a very powerful statement. I want to say it again. 2017... 
If you're looking at your last year, the year last, et cetera, et cetera, you look at your past and you haven't liked the way things turned out, I want you to stop and think about this. If I, if I just shut down now and said amen and bless you to go home, then this one statement right here would be enough if you listen to it to change your life. That 2017 will not end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. Not by chance, but by choice. And, you know, I like the expression we hear quite a bit these days, at least I, I seem like I hear it all the time, that uh, choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Now, the way I say that is what you sow is what you reap. Amen. And somebody said, Pastor, can we pray for crop failure? Yes, I do sometimes. How you pray for crop failure? Say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for helping this turn around. Thank you, Lord, for helping this turn around. I'm sowing right now. I'm living right now. I'm doing right now. Oh, thank you, Lord, for changing things. Because if you don't, if you don't begin to plant right, talk about your actions, your words, how you live, then eventually, eventually that crop's going to come up. If you want a good crop, you have to start doing something different. That's called a choice. Amen. And so I want to say that again so you get this. Life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. And this passage here, I want you to notice that God compares his plan for your life with a track beat or some other individual athletic contest, some other contest. And so use your imagination and picture yourself running a race around a track or at least walking slow around a track, you know. Depends on where you are and what kind of shape you're in. Or a boxing match or some other event that depends entirely on you and how well you trained and prepared for it. Now, let's call your big event 2017 is your big event you're preparing for. Say this for 2017. Say, 2017, I will run to win. Say that again. Say, 2017, I will run to win. Say that one more time. Say, 2017, I will run to win. Amen. I want to tell you something. That's important to say that because your heart's hearing that. And your heart has to get a hold of something if it's going to win. So, verse 24, I want to look at this again. He said, I run to win. I run to win. I don't just run to run. I don't run away and hide. I run to win. And so God, the Bible, many times gives us natural, physical examples to help us understand spiritual truth. So what is your main goal? I want you to stop and think. I want let God speak to your heart. What's your main goal or goals in 2017? Do you have goals? To get out of debt financially, to get bills paid off, and to change. Well, Mrs. Pastor, I know it's a it's a, it's a thing that she didn't come up with, but we've heard it many times. What's the definition of a fool? Keep on doing the same thing, expect to get different results. This Wednesday, what time does the class start? 6:30. At 6:30 in Victory Hall, the next building over. This Wednesday at 6.30, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University is going to start right over here. So they can come for free the first class to check them 
You can come for free, the first class, to check it out. At Dave Ramsey's, he's a proven ministry for years and years and years and years. And praise God for the Bible that teaches us the spiritual part of what to do. But he really teaches you a whole lot of natural things what to do. And I'll tell you, I, I, I did a financial seminar in my church probably 25 years ago. Had had a guy that been a, he was a pastor, but he'd been a, he'd been a financial investment business maker for like 30 years. He was really an older guy. And, the, I mean, such, such a profound, profound statement. If you want to get ahead of financially, just, it's so simple. Quit spending more than you make. <laughs> I mean, that is dumb. I got that, I got the advertisement we all get in the mail yesterday from a furniture company in Victorville. They had all kinds of pictures of furniture on it. And they had on there, no payments for 18 months or six months or whatever it was, nine months. It said, you have to make a payment till then. And I don't, I don't play that stupid stuff. I never even read the advertisement. But I thought, man, I just want to read this again, what the fine print says. If you <clears throat> don't have that paid off by whatever the time period was, six months or nine months, you know what the interest rate was on that? They had written right there, 30%. 30%. So they said, come down here to our store and buy this furniture. If you buy this furniture for $1,000, by the time you're done, you probably pay us back $3,000. Or whatever it come up to by the time you pay that thing and pay that loan. And, you know, I like what Dave Ramsey teaches. And it makes so much sense. If you can make a payment <clears throat> to the bank at high interest rate or the loan company, why don't you just make a payment to your savings account over a safe period of time? And then you come to do it, money talks. You go into the showroom and talk to them, take the cash in there, and whatever their price is, you're holding those greenbacks in your hand right there. And you tell them, what's the best deal you'll give me? Oh, this is all we can do. Then you just have your money waving it in their face as you walk out the door, and you say, nope, I'm going to get a better deal. Hey, wait a minute, come back here. And then they get to thinking, I got this other sucker that goes to that church going to give me 30% anyway. <laughs> Because Christians are dumb sometimes. <laughs> and they're going to come, and I'm going to make plenty of money off them. And so I'll tell you what, I'll give you a 30% discount, and I'll still make money. I'll still sell furniture, but your cash got it for you 30% cheaper. Stop to think about what I'm saying there. You can put money, even if you just put it in a coffee can, don't touch the coffee can. <laughs> make payments to something, and then take your money and pay cash and get a better deal, and then you will sleep better at night time. And then, and then we're going. To, and then sometimes we're having a building program going on or something. Got stuff we're doing something. Like, oh, I sure wish I could do that, but I got to give mine to the bank. I'd like to give an offering, but I got to give mine to the bank. Well, you do it God's way, and you give something to God anyway, and have money left over. Go get you McDonald's or something. Well, I can't say that, man. You're not supposed to eat McDonald's, are you? Man, you can get a nice salad or something. <laughs> oh, I just have it too much fun. But anyway, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Amen. You've got to change the plan around. Katie, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get a bigger pulpit. Amen. Thank you. Hi, Desert blessed me this a couple of years ago, but I think I need something a little bigger up here sometimes. Anyway. So what, what's your goals? Get out of debt? Is it health? It to, is it to lose some weight so you feel better? Well, 
You know, you've got to do something different then. Maybe you have to start eating better. Eat something different. Do something different. Maybe you're going to have to get out walk around the track some. You have to, you have to start doing something. You've got to have a plan to start doing something. And, and maybe, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you want to pray better this year. Maybe you want to witness better. Maybe you want to be uh, closer to God just so you hear Him speak in your heart more. And so you've got to find out what the plan is to be able to do those things. And so he said in verse 25, to win the contest, to win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your best. Uh, you know, sometimes I give examples about my family, but I realize that I've got a big family. My wife and I have eight children, and we have a lot of grandchildren. I've got a great, I've got a great grandniece that's in her 20s now, and she's winning, running track meets all around the nation, even been to other countries. She's training now for the Olympics. She's down in Florida for special training. And that girl, since the time she was about two years old, could start walking. She'd been running. And she's, you know, went to college on scholarships and everything. But she, she doesn't have time for a social life because she's got her whole life geared around being an Olympic star someday. She doesn't have time for a lot of things. All she does, she's on Facebook with me. All she does is run, run, run. All of her friends are runners. Everybody she knows is a coach or a runner, and that's what she does. And I've got a granddaughter. That, that, that there was a, 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 great, a, a great niece. Well, I've got a granddaughter that's a swimmer, and she's down in Florida. And uh, I got to go down there for a while this past, what was it, back about February or somewhere, March, whatever it was, just back from Nicaragua. But I was down there for a week, and all my little granddaughter does is swim, 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 swim. She wants, to, she wants to be some kind of a super-duper someday. And, you know, she's, she's a lot younger than Denise, but she wants to do something someday big time. She wins every meet that she's in. She's got all kinds of ribbons and trophies at a young age already, but all she does is practice, 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 practice. I was, when I was down there, it was cold when I was down there, and every night at 5 o'clock, went to the pool, and they had, they, they had you know, Good traders and stuff like that, special traders for all the girls swimming. Every night from 5 to 7, they swim a solid two hours, didn't do anything else. She does that nearly every day of the year. She's very serious about what she's doing. There's a lot of things in life that other kids around her are doing. She's doing none of it because she wants to be a great swimmer, a great athlete. And she swims. And I was down there. I was sitting not because I'm older than what she is, but I had to have a cold on. I was a cold <laughs> And all these little girls out there turning blue, swimming, 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 swimming. I mean, you know, hands behind their backs having to swim, legs tied having to swim, swimming every which way you can think of, but they're training for something that means something to them. It's important to them. They're training for it, denying themselves many things. Never keep them doing their best. And, and God's equating our spiritual walk. To athletes. He's equating what we do as Christians to how successful we're going to do in our Christian life, which will affect our natural life. He's equating that to these people that train and what they do. And I want to say it again. Your 2017 is not going to, li- is not going to end good or bad by chance, but by what you choose to do. How serious you are about God. How serious you are about other things in life that you choose. Whatever you choose to be important in your life, your priority, that's what you'll live your life around. 
And what you live your life around is determined what you have in your life. So somebody groaned and said, oh, my. Well, hey, you don't say, oh, my. You say, amen, I'm going to change. Amen. And so God's word is God's strategic plan for you to win in 2017. He said, deny myself many things that would keep me from doing my best. And so I know that probably everyone in here uh, is or has participated in some kind of sport. Has anybody in here ever, ever, ever not been in some kind of sport where you're little or big or something? I mean, you know, even just running a race around the block with the neighborhood kids. But everybody's done something at some point in time. And I know the people at High Desert Word Center, kids, parents, grandparents, they like to win. And by the way, softball team, are we going to win this year? <laughs> Is that team A or team B? <laughs> both, both of them. We're, they're going to win all the way around. But I know, I know the people this church like to win. <clears throat> and I know for every sport represented in this church, there's a coach or coaches. There's practice schedule, exercise routines, game schedule, and pennant race. And playoffs. Amen? Is that what sports is about? You're all shooting for the whatever whatever particular sport it is. You're looking for the end of the season. See who's going to be the champion, gets the, gets the trophy and everything. And so notice verse 20, not 25 of the Living Bible. He said that in this spiritual race, we're not just going for a blue ribbon or a trophy, but a heavenly eternal reward. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me... The best reward I want to get when I get to heaven, number one, I want to go to heaven. But the best thing I want to do, I want to see the faces up there. I want to see my family. I want to see my friends. I want to see loved ones. I want to see people that were a thorn in my flesh that I was able to love and witness to in spite of how they treated me. I want to see them in heaven. I want to know they're there. And then besides that, Jesus said he has soul winners, crowds and things like that. And that's really great. We all want what he wants, but we get those things because of how we run our race and who we influence down here. So the greatest thing I want when I get to heaven is see all kinds of people there and see Jesus look at him and say, wow, pastor, that's because of how you lived your race. These people came because you lived your race right and you run this race right. Amen. And so anyway, for the, for the athletic events, for sports, there's got to be a coach on the team. Everybody can't be the coach. And so the Holy Spirit is your life coach. The Holy Spirit is your life coach, and he inspired the words in your Bible. How many know that? The Bible was written by men, but the Holy Spirit put in their hearts what to write. And so in sports, a good coach will tell you the number one step to winning is a mindset. You must, on the inside, see yourself winning and determine to do whatever it takes to win. I want to say that again. If you don't see yourself winning, then really good chances you're not going to win. And no matter, no matter, how, no matter how bad you're doing right now, if somebody, if a coach or somebody can get the picture painted in your mind, and in your heart that you can overcome, you can win. You know, you go to FPU, Financial Peace University. If through that teaching, you can see yourself that I can cut these things off out of my life, I can start paying these bills off one at a time, 
I can start a savings account. I can get ahead financially. If somebody gets that hope on the inside of you, you see yourself coming out of debt. You see yourself paying bills off. You see yourself getting ahead. That's the number one step for anything ever happens. If you see that, you start heading towards that direction of doing that. You'll start changing things. You know, I like, I like what, uh, like I said, that older guy's name is Jerry Manning. In our financial seminar we did back in the early 90s, I like, I like what he said. Man, things changed. He said something like this, whatever a, a Dairy Queen, some kind of a Dairy Queen thing cost. Back then he said, well, it costs $1.29 or something. I said, if you have three of those a week, you just decide that getting out of debt or paying for this, getting ready for this college education is more important than these three Dairy Queen things a week. Cut those things out. Cut two of them off. Cut one of them off. And you start saving $1.29 at a time. Well, now it would be more like $5. But you start saving just this much every week. If you've been going to hold that much every week, but now you turn it around, you've gained $10. You start putting that much every week aside, and you add that up over a year, over five years, over 10 years, got something going in the right direction, said that you're headed towards the prize. You're headed towards the goal. And that's, that, that's what he said right here, that I deny myself many things. And so you've got to see yourself is what you want to accomplish, that you can accomplish it. You know, I think about Philippians 4.13. Paul said, <clears throat> I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things. It's amazing when you start making some adjustments in your life. You know what? You win that little area of life, you kind of start getting something on the inside of you that makes you want to win more. Then the next thing you'll think, wow, if I can save $5 a week, why can't I save $10 a week? Then you start realizing, wow, man, all of a sudden, i got $100 built up right here. Wow, I'd like to have 200 So you find out other ways to do things, and you can start... Apply that to any area of life, whatever it is, whatever it is of life you need changed. You know, if it's in a relationship, whatever it is. You know what? It's not hard sometimes to say, please and thank you. Please, why do I know that? I've watched her raise eight kids and me. That's a big one with her. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. I say it in my sleep. What 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 do what you say that for? I said it's in me. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Well, you know what? You can change from where you are. You start bringing please and thank you in your relationships. Your relationships will improve. Somebody said, "Well, that sounds too easy." If you've been a bad bad tempered selfish person, it wasn't easy. But if you start using those words and doing things like that, you could be the one to start changing your relationships. You know, for your kids, if you're having trouble with your kids, you might try some pleasing and thank you with your kids instead of, because I said so, that's why. Moving right along, that always goes over big. Amen. Somebody said, well, that's how they treated me when I was growing up. That turned out real good, didn't it? (laughs) Well, let's keep moving. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit is your life coach. And the number one thing the Holy Spirit wants to get into you is the attitude of winning. That no matter what it is, you can win. Now, verse 26 and verse 27 again says, So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I fight to win. 
I'm not just shadow boxing and playing around. I'm like an athlete. I punish my body, treating it roughly, training to do what it should, not what it wants to. In your life, you have to make the decision you're going to do what you have to do, not what you want to do. And so, in 2017, thinking about coaches, thinking about practices, just think about, think about your life for where you are, for where you want to be. And if you're thinking about a sports thing, I was, yesterday I was talking about this a little bit at the men's meeting. Uh, we, got, we got the Blessed Berry family that are really, really soccer people. They are really soccer people. And I, t- I said yesterday, looking over at Brother Tony, I said, Tony's a soccer coach for the girls over here at the school. And I said, I'll bet you this. I'll bet you this year for the first game, it's not going to be the first time he sees them. I bet you he's not going to show up there at the soccer at the opening day and say, say, hey, guys, it's good to see you again this year. Well, I hope we do good. Uh Sorry we didn't have any practices or anything, and I really don't know what each of you can do, but I'll tell you what, we're going to win. Let's just go out there and win. And the girls stand together and say, what are we going to do, coach? What are we going to do? And then they play their game and say, well, hey, it's good seeing you. I'll see you the next game. With no practice in between the game, no analyze of this game to see if we won, what did we do to win, if we lost, what caused us to lose. And then if the other team really creeped, just, oh, they're just a better team. Well, there's a better team because they practiced. There's a better team because they were ready for the game. They were a better team because they had the determination they were going to win. And they decided some days they were going to practice instead of doing some other goofy things. And so, team, if we're going to be like that team, beat them next time, we're going to practice. We're going to have a plan before we go out there. We're not going to show up and say, say hey, here we are. Coach, put me in. Coach is going to say, who are you? You never came to practice. I don't know who you are. How could I use you? I don't know what your abilities are. Well, hey, I'm, 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 I'm the best kicker. I know how to use my head. <laughs> you know, what, whatever they say. say. Well, I don't know. You haven't been proven yet. they got to practice. Anyway, I'm looking at God's plan for your life. If you want to choose to win in 2017, we have a practice schedule. Our practice schedule for Christianity at this church is Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We practice. We practice our Christianity right here in the church. Uh, does anybody know what Romans 10:17 says? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by what? Oh, it doesn't come by hearing CNN? Or Fox News? Or reading some internet website? That's how fear cometh. Losing cometh. But faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so at practice, if you want to see yourself winning, come to all the practices. Hang out with some of the all-stars. Hang out with some of the all-stars. You know, I, I want to say this for the church. If you don't come to more services then basically Sunday morning or something like that, you have no idea what this church is about. This is a total different kind of service than our other services. The way we start off on Sunday night, to me, it's one of my favorite things. On Sunday night, we have a little worship, then we have testimony time. On Sunday night, we have the mic up here, 
And you guys that are out there in the game of life every day come up here and give testimonies. You tell about something that happened this week in your life, what God did to give you victory. You tell about a family member, something on the job, something happens. We don't do that on Sunday morning. We don't do it on Wednesday night. On Sunday night, this is when the team comes together for a pep rally. <clears throat> At our pep rally, the players come up and tell what they did to get that home run. They tell what they did to get that goal. They tell what they did. And that changes life so much when you hear somebody besides a preacher, somebody was out there playing, tell you what they did to win and how they won. And then Wednesday night, we call our hour of power. It's a family hour, the hour of power. We're in for an hour. We have classes everywhere for the kids at all the buildings and classes doing all kinds of stuff like that. And on Wednesday night, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not into the coffee stuff much, the Starbucks things. I'm still, I'm still Andy Griffin, Aunt B. I'm Maxwell House. But anyway, I know the first time I went to Starbucks with somebody, I didn't know anything about Starbucks, still don't know much about it. I like the stuff Katie gets me now, the little old sweet stuff like a moth. That's good. But anyway, went to Starbucks, and I went with some preachers. And the guy wants to know what I wanted there. And I said, man, all I drink is coffee. I don't know. I just like, I just like coffee. So anyway, he suggested I get this thing. I forget what it was called now. So he got the, the grippy cup, had that much at the bottom of it, tried to do like a couple bucks for it. I thought, what do you call that stuff? I get espresso. And the guy gave my cup. And I, I said, hey, where's my coffee at? He said, well, do you order espresso? I said, yeah, what a cup of coffee. He said, well, that's more like coffee than anything. He said, that's the good strong stuff. He said, you'd be a truck driver. You want strong stuff? I said, yeah. I said, I want a whole cup, though. <laughs> like that there. And so anyway, I come to find out that stuff there. Some people want to get a, I don't know what you call it, super buzz or something, man. You break that stuff, man, you get, you get hit. So he gave me some, and I'm <laughs> like that. But that's what I'm saying. Wednesday night, the hour of power is this. You come in here on Wednesday night, you're going to get the espresso. On Wednesday night, we worship. We receive an offering for God. And then, man, I pour it to you hot. You get it on Wednesday night. You get tanked up. You get tanked up quick. And you get out here on Wednesday night going, Man, I can take on anything, man. I want, I want a spiritual warfare. I want to go. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. And so what I'm saying is this. If you want your soccer team to win, if you want your basketball team to win, if you want to win the track meet, come to all the practices. If you want to do something different in 2017, in 2017, don't be somebody just sits on the sidelines and wish you'd get in the game. If you want in the game, come to practice. What do you mean the game? I'm not talking about working in the church. That's a good thing to do. I'm talking about the game of life. I'm talking about if you want to be the one that gives the testimony that I was X amount of dollars in debt at the start of 2017, and I paid off this much debt, and now I'm debt-free at the end of 2017, come and get your faith built up and learn how to do that. Come and hear somebody on Sunday night give their testimony that I paid off $10,000 in the last three months. Well, how'd you do that with the job you had? I learned how to apply the principles of God's Word, and God blessed me, and I came out of debt. If you want to hear the testimony of the McNeil family, and they don't mind me sharing their testimony because they share it. McNeil family happily raised their two daughters, and then the devil came in and destroyed their marriage. So they were divorced for, what, about three years, maybe? 
Three years? Two. Two years. And then they both got brought back together by Jesus. Happily married again. Amen. Amen. And somebody said, well, I thought my family was destroyed. Well, they thought Lazarus was dead, too, of the Bible, and he was dead. But Jesus brought the dead back to life. Jesus could bring a marriage back to life. And somebody said, somebody said, well, my son has a bad diagnosis. My son, it doesn't look good. Well, my little midget son here, don't say midget, that's not political correct. Sorry. They correct me on what I can say. My little short people son, right here, the six foot tall now, when he was three and a half years old, had leukemia and he was crippled. And Jesus raised up my son. It wasn't over. Raised him up. He healed him. And so what am I saying? I'm saying on Sunday night, you're going to hear people come up here in this line here, and they're going to say, I want to give a testimony. I went back to the doctor this week, and my blood was totally healed. I went back to the doctor this week, and the x-ray said no cancer. I want, I, want to, I want to give testimony to the church tonight. That little baby we was praying for last week that the doctor said that they wasn't going to make it. That little baby's out of the hospital. He's home right now. And those kind of things. See, you don't get to hear a lot of that on Sunday morning. Come to the practices in 2017 if you want to win. I want to say this again. Your win is not going to be by chance. It's going to be by choice. I deny myself many things that keep me from doing my best. Well, Pastor, it's been my habit. Sunday night's always been my family. I, know I, I wouldn't give up my family night for anything. Or Wednesday night's always my, my oh, this show's, I always watch this on Wednesday night. If you want something different, you got to do something different. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. What? Well, on our team, we never, we never didn't look at our team going very far, so we don't practice very much. We just like to have fun. Well, that's all you want to do is have fun. Win some, you lose some. That's what you want. But I want to win some. I want to win more. I want to win more. I want more people healed. I want more marriages restored. I want more children serving God, obeying their parents. I want to see more Christians financially free. I want to see it get to the place where Christians don't have car payments but still have nice cars. I want to see the place where Christians have money to where God says, Hey, Pastor, move on. Uh, talk to people. I'm moving on you, Pastor. There's a family we want to help. There's somebody we want to do. We've got to build something. There's a church in trouble around the corner. Pastor, take up an offering and see, see what your church can do. And somebody say, Hey, Pastor, I'll tell you what, I've got $5,000 I'm sitting. I want to give that to God for the glory of God. Instead of saying, Oh, I wish I could give something. I owe $50,000 in that $20,000 car. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So anyway, our practice schedule this year, get a picture of this. We're on, we're on Tony and Sonia's soccer team, and Beyonce's out there, the main cheerleader. She's letting them know this is what we're going to do this year. And Beyonce said, hey, guys, the coach just told you we got three practices a week. Ten o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock on Wednesday we got practice. Why well, I'd never go to practice on seven o'clock on Wednesday. You're never going to win either then. You know, you might win a few games, but I'm going for the championship. Some of you look like a calf looking at a new gate. I don't know what to say. I'll say it again. Do you choose to win in 2017? 
You need to do something different. You've got to do something different. Paul said, an athlete says, I deny myself many things that keep me from doing my best. Do a do a, do a, a, a examination of your schedule and find out in your schedule what you can change to work more practices in. Okay, first Saturday of every month, we have the men's meeting. Yesterday, we had an awesome men's meeting. We had 18 men over there, and it was just really great, great, great. The men, my son Josh taught it, and it was so good. Thank you for teaching that yesterday. It helped me come to church today, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. That really helped me get to church. You know what he taught? Don't live by your feelings. I got up this morning, and my body said, you don't feel like going to church. But my heart said, body, I'm not living by you. I live by faith in Jesus. Body, you're going to get up. You're going to take a shower. You're going to shave. You're going to get dressed. Body, we're going to the prayer closet for a while. Pray, read the Bible, come to church. At the men's meeting yesterday, that was an awesome, awesome message for the men that we should not live our lives by how we feel. We live by our lives by what God says about us. So that was a good practice yesterday, man. That was, that's our once-a-month practice for the men. And then we have another practice for the ladies. The second Friday of every month, we have an awesome, awesome, awesome coach in there. Mrs. Pastor's our head coach for the ladies. Oh, the ladies, they come out, they have a really good time. And then some months, let me, let me, I, 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 got, I got to ask Sonia, is Tony back in the coffee bar? I have to look around for Tony. Do you guys ever have extra practices? All the time, she said. Okay. We don't have extra practices all the time, but probably a half a dozen times a year we have extra practices. That's when the Dr. Barclays come in. That's when the Tony Cooks come in. Ray Bitches and other speakers. Sometimes during the course of the year we have extra practices. What extra practices, that's extra services. And we come in, we're not just coming in because, well, it's church, and you know, I guess I have to. I go to that church. It's church for all-stars. We want to come in to hear these people that go around the world that teach people how to win, to teach us better how to win. Show us how to do things. And so that's extra practices. I want to say it again. 2017, do you want to win? Do you want to win? You've got to do something different then. You've got to lay some things down to jump in more. And so then also, we have extra workouts by connecting to a lift group. And that stands for living in faith together. Let me say something to this. You know, Jesus given us natural examples to help us understand spiritual truth. Don't raise your hands. But how many people here currently are or ever have paid extra several hundred dollars to be a part of a gym that you go and work your off several nights a week? Spend all kinds of time. You work maybe 10 hours a day. You work 10 hours a day at your job. I can't go to Wednesday night service. But the gym's open. Woo! <laughs> You're wore out. Your bottom's dragging the ground. And I can go to the gym. I can't go to church. I've got to go home and rest. I just got to go home and rest. Well, and here are you going to do sit in a seat, hear the Word of God coming, going to put life in your spirit, going to cause your body to get better. And the devil puts that lie in your head. I'm too tired. I can't go to church. 
Where's that adrenaline flow come from at 9 o'clock at night to go to the gym? We have lift groups of the church for young marrieds, young adults. By the way, Mr. Pastor, I yet led the young adult thing on Friday night. I forget what we had there. We had, had Philip Victory Hall. Young adults, young kids, basically their 20s, I guess, and late teens, 20s, maybe up to 30. I don't know how old they are. I don't know. I'm just guest speaker. Anyway, a bunch of them come out for that extra workout. I want to say it again. Get an extra picture. That extra workout. They came out, fed them some word, fed them some wisdom for the gray hair, from the gray-haired people. Hers is mine is, but anyway. Some wisdom, some food, some fellowship. And what did they do? They got stronger. Amen. And so we have all kinds of lift groups. Uh, Josh is going to let you know more about those in the future. But anyway, uh, we have study materials, following God's plan for your life, your Bible, etc. And so I want to say this now as we close up. All these natural things we talk about are preparing for game day. Get this picture. Game days and times in your life are every day, all day long. Every day, all day long. Every day, all day long. You got two enemies. You got two opponents you deal with every day. Number one, that person you look at in the mirror. And number two, the demons around you trying to pull you under in life. So every day is game day. The more you come to practice, the more you come to extra practices, the more you go to workouts, the better you prepare for game day. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm going to win more this year than I ever have my whole Christian life. I'm digging in. I'm jumping in. I'm practicing. I'm preparing. I'm going to come and hear some of these other players tell me how they won. That's going to help me win. I choose 2017. God said, I've got a good plan for your life. I'm going to follow the plan. I'm coming to practice. I'm working out, and I'm going to win. How about you? Amen. Let's stand up.